You're listening to the podcast for the Porch Missional Community on Long Island, New York. We believe hope looks like a home and revival looks like family. So Ephesians 6. We're going we're gonna to get kind of practical today. I think that's been interesting, like an interesting theme as we've been getting through promises or like like in this series of promises, I feel like promises are often this like almost prophetic, big, like uh, imagery language that we use where we talk about all the promises of God. And what I love is how practical we've been. I feel like every single week talking about promises, like what are they? How do we engage with them? What what do we do when we don't feel like we're in it? And um, so we're going to be really practical again today. And we're going to talk about, uh, we're going to talk about a couple of different things, but my, my main thing I'm hoping that you'll walk away with is that your promise, the promises of God on your life are not the same as the call of God on your life. Mm-hmm. That the promises of God empower you and should cause you to lean into God who empowers you to live out the call of your life. Um, so we're, we're going to anchor around Ephesians 6, 10 to 18. It's the armor of God. Um, but we're also going to hang out around Matthew 28. Um, so does anyone want to read Ephesians 6, 10 to 18? Yep. Cool. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. He said through what? 18. Okay. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all power and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Okay, good. So at first glance, does it sound like he's talking about promises? No. No, what is he, what is he talking about? Armor of God. Yeah, and as we keep breaking that down, what do you need armor for? Protection. For warfare, protection, right? How many of you guys know you have a promise from God? How many of you guys have ever felt like like when you're under attack or you're in that season where like things are not going right, like you're like, what the heck, God, you promised me this. Like my promises are under attack. Yeah. Okay. Your promises, your promises engage and even can, uh, I don't want to say invite, but they, they can open us up to warfare when we're not anchored on these things. Mm. Right? Because promises, right? Promises of God... Um, when we're saying that, we're talking about a lot of different things. We're talking about things that he said will happen. He's talking about gifts. He's talking about dreams, right? 
when he promises Abraham that he'll be a father to many nations, what is he? What is that? That's a dream. Mm-hmm. He's inviting Abraham to dream with him, mm-hmm. right? When Jesus promises that he'll never leave us or forsake us, that's a promise. But they're all engaged in promise. In other words, they're all seen as promise, right? And promises, the promises of God over our life are, are a key to living out and unlocking what he's called us to do, what he's called us to be. And in that, that opens us up to warfare. You guys see that? Mm-hmm. It's not like the warfare is not going on before it, but as we engage with that thing, you, you what? You engage with opposition. Yeah. That's all warfare is. It's opposition. It's something standing in the way, right, of seeing, seeing the, the thing that God's called you to do or to be come, come about, mm-hmm. right? And so I'm going to really, really quickly point out there's six elements that, that Paul points out here as, as the armor of God. I'm going to point them out really fast so, so you have them in the back of your mind, and then we're actually going to kind of leave here and then come back later on, okay? So he says there's a, a tr- the truth, right, which is what? It's a belt, right? That is meant to be our integrity. There's righteousness, right, which is a breastplate. It protects your heart. It's your purity. Uh, there's uh, shoes he talks about as the gospel. It's meant to represent peace, the gospel of peace. Um, I also put a little sub-note there that it also kind of represents courage. It takes courage to actually put the shoes on, step out, and preach the gospel of, of peace. Um, there's a shield of faith, which is your trust, your assuredness. Um, there's a helmet of salvation, which is your redemption, your redeemed mind. Um, and then there's the sword of the word, right? Which is both the word of God and then who else is the word of God? Jesus. Jesus, mm-hmm. right? It's the, it's the present. Right? And the presence is actually, uh, is actually a weapon. Um, okay, so we'll, we'll go a little more in depth into that later on. I just want that in the back of your mind that there's, there's a couple of specific things. What did those... What do those specific things kind of sound like if you're thinking about warfare? Let me reword that. So this is part of your armor and your your offensive weaponry, right? So to speak, to engage in warfare, right? Mm-hmm. What are at their broken down integrity, purity, peace, trust, redemption, and presence? Things to be grounded in so that you can do warfare. Yeah. Paul's Paul's giving us practical strategy for how to engage in warfare so that we can keep engaging in the promise and the call on our life. Mm. And not have any kinks so that the enemy can have a place to attack us. Sure. I mean, he, he's, he's just being really, really practical of, of mm. here's the keys. Here's how you stay in the call. Here's how you stay engaged in the promises of God, right? So stay there. I want to look at verse 10. There's a, there's a line here. That's really interesting to me. Um, it says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Engage with that for a second. Why is that interesting? The strength of his might. Be strong in, in the strength of his might. Like, what does that mean? Yeah, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Who's read that verse before? Oh, yeah. How did you interpret that? It 
be strong, dude. Like, Stand in it. Be strong. Be strong. Suck it up. Yeah. How did you interpret it? Same way. Okay. How did you interpret it? To stand in his strength, like he gives us that strength, like not in our own. Yeah. So the the imagery behind it looks more like being held in, in like sitting on your dad's lap and letting him hold right. you yeah. than it does actually you having to be strong. So there's actually three different words for strength in the Greek that are used all in this, this one sentence. So that first part, be strong in the Lord, is one. Uh, and in the strength, two of his might, three. Are all, there are, it's actually three different Greek words used there. The first one is endunimus, which is to be empowered. The second word is kratai, which is our strength. And iskis, his strength. So in other words, uh, finally, be empowered in the Lord and find your strength in his strength. So that there's this actual engagement that happens when we choose to rest and find our strength in his strength. You're actually empowered to keep living out the promise and the calling on your life. Mm -hmm. And it's in that place that we then start to engage with this concept of the armor of God that he that he's talking about. Right. See, there's there's an echo here that's that's throughout all scripture in this one verse. Throughout all of scripture, there's, there's this idea that God is the one who never leaves us, he never forsakes us, and he empowers us, right? When, he's meet, when he goes to Joshua, he says, be not afraid, I'm with you. What's, the, what's the, the idea there? The idea is you don't have anything to be afraid of because I'm with you and I'm the one doing the thing. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. You guys with me? Yeah. yeah. When... when you know, Gideon is in the threshing floor and he says, mighty man of valor, who's, who's found favor with God. What's the concept there? I've called you to do this thing, right? But you're going to do it because I'm the one doing the thing. Right. See, the promises of God on our life, right? They're, they're an invitation for us to do the thing God's doing. Mm. <sighs> the dreams of God on our life are an invitation to do the thing that he's doing. There's a connotation here that it's, it's anchored on the foundation that he's doing it. And then built on that bedrock is the truth that he wants us to do it with him. Mm-hmm. That it's never, I've spoken this promise over your life. Now, like, go do it. Let me know how it goes. That's never the connotation. When he engages in a promise, remember going back to week one, when he engages us in a promise... It's an invitation that he wants partnership. Mm-hmm. It's the evidence of partnership on our life. So let's look at, um, let's go to Matthew 28. We'll look at 18 to 20. Everyone should know this one. This is one of my favorite passages. I share it often. Um, but I want to look at it from this lens of promise and, and, and call, gift, all that, that stuff, right? 
Uh, it says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. I'll read that one more time. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you to the end of the age. See, I find this so interesting because we can read this as like, as a command that's given just because we're disciples, we have to go do this, right? But Jesus is actually saying that you're going to go do this and in you doing it, you're going to see that I'm with you. Like, I've empowered you to go do this thing and it's actually in doing the thing you're empowered to do that you see the evidence that he is with you. Yeah. Right? See, I think some of us sometimes feel stuck because we've made the promises of God a commission instead of a gift. And it's the other way around. That you live from the gift, which is what? I'm with you. His first gift to us, his first promise to us is what? I'm with you. I'm not going anywhere. I'll never forsake you. And from that place is where we live commission. Not you're given a promise. Your promise is not a commission. You guys see that? I'm trying to, it's subtle. Like your promise, the promise of God on your life is not your commissioning. You've been given your commission. We all have the same commission. Yeah. Go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. There's all the stuff in between. Heal the sick, raise the dead, drive out demons, all that stuff, right? It's all the same commission. Your promise unlocks how you're meant to engage with the Holy Spirit in the functioning of the commission. Right? So we all have the same promise and the same commission, but we have different gifts. We all have the same commission. We all have different promises and different gifts. We all have some promises that are the same, but there's certain promises on our life that look different, and it's in those places that we learn how we engage with this commission. Right? Marty's a gifted musician. Not all of us are gifted musicians. There's a promise and a gift on his life to do that, right? And in that, there's a function that's meant to release this commissioning, but the promise on him is not the commission. Yeah. Okay. Do you see the difference? So yeah. See, the commission rests on, on the promise, right? So I th- the, this is so important because sometimes we get ourselves in trouble when we do the other thing around because when things start to go south, we think we've done something wrong or when we meet opposition, it's what is going on? God, you've left me. God, is this promise not true anymore? And it's like, no. You've just made the promise your commission. So when you start to face opposition, your identity comes under attack. Wow. Yikes. Right? Yeah. See, if we go back, the promise of God, right? The call of God, what's the very first thing we're to do, right? He'll never leave us. So we're empowered and we find our strength in his strength. The very first thing we have to anchor ourselves on is the very first promise is, hey, lean on me. That's the first place we're meant to engage. Lean on me. When you lean on me, I will give you my strength and you'll be empowered. And that's not empowered like all of a sudden you're supercharged with like super saiyan energy. That's not what that is. It's you're actually going to believe that you can do the thing I said you're meant to do. Yeah. Right? But when we make the promises of God our call, when, in other words, when we, when we position ourselves in a way that we say, I'm a gifted musician, I need to 
put out albums. God's given me a, a mandate and a call to save the lost with my music. When you're, when you're 45 and you still don't have your record deal, you're going to be like, who am I? I don't know who I am anymore. And it's like, no, you just, you made your promise, your call, and they're not the same thing. You guys following? Yeah. See, your, the promise of God on your life is a gift, right? Your very first call, the very first thing that you need to do is know who you are and whose you are and stay in that place. Anchor yourself in that place. When we were, when we were all in Reading. Um, I don't know how many of you went to this, but Bannon came out to, um, to the, well, I can't remember what we called Georgia? it. What's that? Who, no, Banning Liebscher. He's the, the guy who founded Jesus Culture. Um, he came out to a young adult night that we were putting on and he shared this story that stuck with me. And he, he was sharing the story of how he had read this book about the Navy SEALs and how the SEALs have this saying that they drill into their uh their commandos where when you come under fire you retreat to water right because seals believe that they they operate out of water just as strong if not stronger than they would operate out of land yeah right so they have this saying that's retreat to water now the reason why that's crazy is militarily you think water is you're vulnerable in water Mm. but to a seal their thought process is I'm stronger in water and how he took that and adapted it and made it this like this core value for his team where when we come under fire, we have to retreat to water. What is water? Water is the Holy Spirit. Wow. Water is the presence. Right. Wow. When we start to come under fire, we start to face opposition. We cannot go f- to the place of of identity crisis god where are you the promises you've put over my life like where are they i'm not seeing them are you a liar did i hear you wrong we have to go to i'm facing opposition i need to retreat to water Mm. i need to retreat to water i need i need to get in the presence it's the first place and that's where he says that he'll empower me with his strength that i'm empowered when i actually lean in when my, my first knee-jerk reaction to opposition, my first muscle memory response to, to not understanding what is going on with my life isn't the promise has left me, right? The Spirit has left the house. No, it's I need to get to where He is and I need to just stay there. Yeah. You guys see that? Mm-hmm. So many of us get into so much trouble because we immediately go to that place of like, what's wrong with me? Mm-hmm. Where, where can I find that secret sin? Where can I find that, <laughs> that key thing that I, that's from my past, the trauma, the pain? It's like, no, you're just facing opposition. You need to get with, with the Lord. Mm-hmm. You need to get with so the one who gave good. you the promise. Yeah. Right? Yeah. If I get a gift and I don't understand how to use it, Right? I can either sit there and probably fumble around with it for days trying to figure it out, or I can go to the one who gave me the gift and let him teach me how to use it. Yeah. Same thing with promise. Right? 
So let's look, let's go back to Ephesians 6. So it says, um, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Guys, understand, when he's saying the evil day, he's not talking about, like, some day off in the future. He's talking about when you're, when you're, yeah. When, I mean, ha, I, I've definitely read that verse as, like, the evil day is like, oh, it's the day of judgment. Yeah. It's going to be the day Kirk Cameron comes out to tell us he was right the whole time. <laughs> uh, like, I think we, I don't know. Anyway. It's, uh, it's not that day. When he's talking about that day, he's saying in those, those moments yeah. where everything is going wrong, this is what you need to do to hold fast to the promise on your life, right? It says, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth. So the belt of truth, what does that mean? Paul's, Paul's getting super, super practical here. He's, he's wrapping it up in kind of poetic language, but he's being super practical, right? So he's giving us imagery, but he's, a, he's, he's implicating very, very practical truth. So you're putting on the belt of truth. What does your belt do? Truth will help you. It holds your pants up. Yes, it holds your pants up. Why? What is that? What is the imagery here? He's saying, when you wrap yourself in truth, you will not lose your integrity. Wow. Yeah. When you you use truth like a belt, your pants won't fall down and you'll hold on to your integrity. Why is that important? Because when you go into opposition, right, what's the very first thing the enemy wants to do? Protect your integrity. Attack your integrity, your character. Right. Slime you in front of everyone else. Right. And then that brings you down here. Right. Because your, your integrity hits your identity the hardest. Mm-hmm. When someone attacks your integrity, I mean, has anyone ever had their integrity attacked? Yes. Mm-hmm. Right? You, it's like your knee-jerk reaction is either I am a, just a horrible person. I've lost all focus on, and I, and, and who, on who I am, on my identity, or we're about to throw down because you're, you're, you're saying I'm something that I'm not. So what is he saying? He's saying, neither of those are right. You stand on the truth. The truth will hold your pants up. <laughs> That's so good. Wow. If, if you have integrity, no lie of the, the lies of the enemy are just going to... They're off. Yeah. Right? You, you can take the belt off and smack the enemy with it. Smack it. <laughs> table. That might bring up some PTSD for... Childhood trauma. <laughs> um, anyway, what's the, what's the next thing? Breastplate. The breastplate of righteousness. Protecting your heart. Yes. 
What's your breastplate? Your breastplate is a piece of armor that goes over your whole abdomen, but it's not just your heart. The spirit. This is your soul. Yeah, I was going to say the core of who you are. Your soul, right? What's he talking about here? What's, what's righteousness? Isn't there spirit uh, Most of the time they would say your soul is right here. Your spirit's kind of in all. But um, what, what, is, what is righteousness? Think Old Testament. Being in right standing with the Lord. Being right standing. How did we, what did you have to be to get into right standing? Think Old Testament again. Pure. It's your purity. He's saying your purity actually guards your heart and guards your soul. It does. That's so real. When you know that you are standing in purity, that you've you've acted in purity, you've lived in purity, then there's no accusation that can come against you. Mm-hmm. There's nothing that's going to attack your heart. There's nothing that's going to attack your soul. For most of us, I think we actually do a better job of doing this than we give ourselves credit for. Mm-hmm. But we get stuck in thinking about who we used to be. And again, the way that you, that you live in a way where your old man is dead is in your what? Your righteousness. It's in your purity. It's in saying like, no, mm-hmm. I am pure. I've lived pure. You cannot attack my identity. Your, an attack on your promise is an attack on your identity. That's, I hope you're seeing that pattern here. So we're talking about integrity. We're talking about purity. Right? What's the next thing? And as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. This one's a little, even more a little imagery. What, what are you guys thinking there? Walking out. Walking out. I mean, shoes protect your feet mm-hmm. from injury. Mm-hmm. It lets you actually keep walking. Yep. Yeah. Sustains you. Yeah, it's yeah. sustaining. Yeah. It gives you that safety to literally walk through whatever terrain that you need to, mm-hmm. including things that could have otherwise, like, sure. caused you to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, there, there's actually, there's, so there's kind of two things going on here, right? What he's saying is, is your peace is actually the thing that's going to be able to draw you, keep you moving forward. Yeah. Follow your peace. Follow that's your peace. So true. It's because when we, what? When we step outside of peace, that's when confusion enters in. That's when we're like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how to move forward, right? But Paul's giving us the practicals here, Right? The gospel of peace is like shoes to your feet, protecting your feet so that you can, you can keep walking. Mm-hmm. And when you don't know how to walk, where are you supposed to walk to? You retreat to water. So in other words, at all times, you have the ability to move forward. Because even in the moments where you're confused and things are going wrong and you're facing opposition and things like, how could they get worse? You're not actually stuck. If you have the gospel of peace, like shoes on your feet, you know that retreating to water isn't backing up. Like retreating to water is not going backwards. It's actually going forwards. Sometimes it's the only thing we can do to go forwards when we're stuck. Yeah. Mm. Isn't authority too because everywhere you put your feet? Not in this connotation. 
But yes, that is true, but not, not in this connotation. The other thing that he's talking about here is actually courage. Yeah. Right? He's saying be ready. What's readiness? Being standing in courage. Yeah. That peace actually doesn't just cause you to move forward, but also gives you the ability to, in those moments where you need to, stand in courage. Our, our, our peace isn't, isn't necessarily this thing that looks like like a I'm trying to think of how to word it that our peace actually is is aggressive in that it gives us the ability to stand when no one else will yeah he's also the comforter and a good pair of shoes are pretty comforting it's mm. <laughs> true um, so we have integrity we've got purity we've got peace what's the next thing the shield of faith mm. what does a shield do protect you Protect you from what? All of this stuff protects you. Usually arrows. All external. (laughs) Flying objects or swords. Anything really. Weapons against you. Yeah. The the thought here would be like it's protecting you from arrows. It's protecting you from any, any like super aggressive literal weapon that's meant to kill you. Right? A shield is like you have all this armor on that's like a last line of defense. Your shield is your first line of defense to protect you from from the literal things that want to kill you, mm-hmm. right? And what is it? it? He's talking about faith. And what's faith? Trust. Trust. Yeah. Saying, God, these arrows are flying at me. I don't know what's going on. But I have the faith that you are actually standing in the way of them. Yeah. Sometimes it's really hard for us because we think we're putting up a shield, but really we're just being human pin dolls. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. we try to do it all on our own and try to step outside of that, right? Because faith doesn't say, I can do this. Faith says, you can do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then what's next? The helmet of salvation. What does your helmet protect? Your mind. Your mind, your thoughts, right? Scripture tells us you have the mind of Christ. So literally he's saying, with your redeemed mind that rests in the assuredness of your salvation, you, this is the thing that protects your thoughts. Right? Doesn't mean that those thoughts don't get in there, but it literally means that that is the thing. You, when you can stand and, and rest in your thought life, that you, in your salvation, in your redeemed mind, as you're going after, what does that mean? Actually pursuing the mind of Christ, the transformation into that thing. That's the thing that when the enemy tries to get those little lies into your head, you can take every thought captive and be like, no, that's actually not true. Here's what is true. Yeah. Right? Good. Which leads us to the next thing. Uh, the, where is it? The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Right? Super practical. What's the what's the word of God? Bible. Bible. Yeah. Scripture. Mm-hmm. Jesus is, does this really well and really practically for us. What is this? So we've gone through kind of the five defensive pieces of our armor. Right? The last one being the redeemed mind. Just the helmet of salvation. The last one is the sword of the spirit. Right? It's, it's the word and it's the presence. 
So in other words, the thing that you actually get to go swing back and kill the enemy with is the word and the presence. Mm-hmm. Where have you seen this played out before? Jesus does it. Yeah. In the desert, right? Yeah. When the devil tries to tempt him with, with both practical things, with identity, all this stuff, what does he do? He goes back and he quotes the prophets. He understood the word. And what's the thing that kills that, kills that, that attack, that shuts that thing down? The word. Yeah. Some of us actually need to get better at knowing the word. <laughs> Both the actual word and the one who is the word. See, there's, there's a synergy with all this stuff. Like I was saying, Paul is being super practical. When the enemy who does not play fair tries to attack the promise on your life, the call on your life, the dream on your life, which is all the things that both wrap up what you do and your, what you're called to do and your identity, right? Here's what you need to do. Here's the five ways that you defend yourself. And here's the one way, because we only need one. Here's the one way you kill them. But you need you need all of these things working in unison. You need to you need to have integrity and stand in your integrity. You need to be pure and stand in your purity. You need to guard your feet with peace. In other words, guard your actions with peace. If you don't have peace on your actions, don't move forward. Mm-hmm. You need to protect yourself with faith, trust. It's like having a see-through shield, but you know that it's there. Stand in your thoughts and your salvation. Know that you are saved inside and out. That doesn't just mean that you're going to heaven one day. That means that right now, your thought processes are actually redeemed. This is so good. And, you, and know that the word, both the written word and the one who is the word, is your, your offensive weapon actually goes to war for you. See, I think sometimes some of us give up on our dreams and we give up on our promises because we, we get stuck somewhere in here, right? Like I was saying before, we either we get that attack comes on and we think that, you know, we think that, that our promise is wrapped up in all that we are, our promise is wrapped up in our commission and our calling and we get attacked and then it's like, God, you promised me this, why isn't it easy? You promised me this thing, why isn't it easy? And it's like... Well, because the first promise is me. Are you leaning in on me? Or because your promise actually isn't your identity. I didn't say it was going to be easy. I said you get me. Mm-hmm. That's good. Right? At no point does Jesus say life's going to be easy. What, is he, what does he say in that passage? He says, but I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. You're going to get me. See, some of us too, we need, to, we need to actually appreciate that. Some of us go after the promises of life because we want, we want uh, standing in life. Mm. Right? We go after that. We, we hold on to the promise of God like it actually gives us a platform or it gives us, it gives us identity or it gives us um, purpose. purpose. It gives us, uh, what's the word I'm thinking of? Um, authority and all those things. And there's truth wrapped in there, but it's like, 
the very first thing that you need to hang to is he promised you himself. See, all these things that Paul's talking about, what's the common denominator? It's him. Many of us don't actually get step into the promises of God because we put it all on ourselves to make them happen. And God's like, I'm the one who breathed life on it first. It was my promise first. I'm the one who's going to do the thing. Will you actually partner with me? Mm. Your promises, again, are evidence of partnership, of his desire for partnership. We get ourselves into trouble when we take them and make them our own and not something that's meant to draw us into him. Yeah, at some point. Huh? At some point. Yeah, it's really good. See, if you think that the promises of God on your life are able to come to pass just because he gave them to you, and now it's like, here's the football, Johnny, go score the touchdown. Right? That's not a dream, that's a daydream. Like, that's that's just fantasy. Yep. Mm-hmm. And the the promise of God, the dreams of God on your life are not fantasy, they're reality. Even if you can't see it yet, the fact that he gave it to you, that he breathed into being, he doesn't breathe fantasy, he breathes reality. So if the promises of God are not bigger than you, I'd say you need to go, you need to get back with him. If they're not going to go beyond you, if they're not if they're not something that you can't do on your own, then they're probably fantasy. You probably made them up. Mm-hmm. Not that they're bad, not that he can't speak into them, but they're probably not him. Yes, see that? Yeah. Why? Because the promise is meant to drive you to him. Because the promise is going to open us up, like you're going to face opposition in your promise. It's going to happen. Which is why you need him, which is why we need partnership. See, putting on the armor of God is how we bring our promises into our calling. So that what? So he can sustain us. They're the armor. Are they the armor of Marty? Is it the armor of Levi? (laughs) It's the armor of God. Which means you can't put it on without him Hmm. you can't put on the armor of god outside of the presence of god and you can't sustain your promise outside of the presence of god because it's him you're putting on that's what the armor is it's him Mm -hmm. just makes me think of this picture i saw of a cat like laying on top of someone's face just like (laughs) (laughs) look each and every one of us has something on our life to do something on our life to be God's breathed dreams. He's breathed promises, spoken promises over you. I mean, does everyone in the room feel like God has given you promise? Mm -hmm. Okay. That is evidence of his presence on your life, and it's evidence of his desire to want to have partnership with you. Those those things, right, put you you in in opposition to everything that the world wants to do. Which means you need him. If you've got big promises on your life, that should make you be like, God, I need, I need all of you. 
Not God. Hold hold my drink. Watch what I'm gonna do. Ooh yeah. Ooh. Whoa. Ouch. Hold my beer. I'm gonna keep running. Like it 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 should drive you to need to be with him every single day. And for those of us who have had those moments even recently where it's like I don't know what the heck I'm doing. I don't feel you. The things that you've spoken over me. Like all that stuff is real. I'm not diminishing those feelings. What I'm saying though is it's actually really, there's a really practical answer to it. And the practical answer is him. Yeah. Like I'll be real with you guys. Aaron and I have been on a really long journey. Or at least it's felt long. It's probably not that long. But really long journey since we got to New York of not feeling like we have home and we've gotten word after word even before we moved here of God's giving you a house and he's giving you you know it's going to be this this big house so you can have all these people come and you can have you know all these sons and daughters come home and like all this stuff and I mean we're still getting them we're still constantly getting them and there's been moments where it's actually like getting that promise is painful because it's I mean can anyone relate to that where it's like how how how? God, I don't see it. How? Like, stop giving me this promise. Stop. It hurts every time. And, and I, I, I've come to a point, and I'm not always good at it. Sometimes I need to, I need to re- get, like, repent of the fact that I've taken my armor off. But I have, I have to come to a place, and I've come to a place where it's like, you said it, you're going to have to do it. And I'm going to trust that. And I'm going to partner with you where you've, where, where I can, where you've asked me to partner with you, not just in resting on it, but also in putting in the footwork to see it happen. But it's on you. I've got to trust you. And sometimes even the, just the trusting is, is painful. There's a dying to yourself there's also a life in it when all of a sudden I can be like yeah all of a sudden I have faith for this Mm -hmm. I have faith that you're going to do it I have purity of heart that says that you've always shown up and you're going to do it my integrity isn't isn't broken because I trust that you're going to do it I choose to, to get in your presence again to bring the promise to you And let you wrap me up in your armor that empowers me to live from your strength. So I just want to, if any of us have been in that place where it's like, I have nothing left. I've been living, I haven't given up the promise, but I've been trying to sustain it on my own or, or, I'm just tired because I feel like I've been sustaining it on my own and I've got nothing left to give into this thing. I've got, I, I don't know if I believe that, that the promise of God in my life is real anymore or whatever. Just you're tired. You're just tired of, of it being the way it's been. I just feel like there's an invitation for, for you to get the armor on. For the presence, for you to actually get in the presence and actually have him put the, like, put the armor on you like the connotation in Ephesians 6 
isn't like, hey, go down to the armory and put this thing on. It's get with with get in the presence, right? Get with God who empowers you in his strength. And here's what the empowering of his strength looks like. It looks like this armor. If you dream big, you need a big God. And he is a big God who's got big armor and a big sword. That's so good. So I just want to make space for that. If you guys just need that, just stand up. If it's all of you, that's fine. I'll go around and pray for you all.